Hey everybody, I'm Beth Davis and welcome to Teachable Tuesday. We are making our way through the Gospel of John and today is chapter 12. So we're going to read it together as we do. We're going to pray and then I'm going to share with you my takeaway. Hint, hint, takeaways. Uh, let's pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of her perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well, since it was on account of him that many of the Jews were deserting and were believing in Jesus. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to another, one another, you see, you can do nothing, look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? 
Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The crowd answered him, we've heard from the law that the Messiah remains forever. How can you say that the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Jesus said to them, the light is with you for a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness may not overtake you. If you walk in the darkness, you do not know where you are going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of the light. After Jesus had said this, he departed and hid from them. Although he had performed many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And so they could not believe because Isaiah also said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart so that they might not look with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw his glory and spoke about him. Nevertheless, many, even the authorities, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess it for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human glory more than the glory that comes from God. Then Jesus cried aloud, whoever believes in me, in me not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me should not remain in the darkness. I do not judge anyone who hears my words and does not keep them. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge, on the last day, the word that I have spoken will serve as judge. For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment about what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I speak, therefore, I speak just as the Father has told me. Lord Jesus, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for the gift of your word. Enlighten our minds. Lord, we want to see your face. We want to hear your word. We want to be those people uh, who turn to you and you heal us. That we might follow you, Jesus. We pray all these things. In your holy and precious name, Jesus Christ, amen. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, do you have any, I don't know, catchphrases in your family? 
things that when you go home or maybe you live at home, you often hear around your house. Let me share with you one of mine. It's in the tone of my mom and it's Beth, make a decision. <laughs> and that comes from a lot of experience with me being indecisive. I remember once on a family vacation, we were out of state and we had this fun day with all the cousins at an arcade. And of course I won a prize and went to the counter and I could not decide for the life of me between these two plush toys. They were both so unique, so special in their own way. I was, I was drawn to the elephant and the other one was a bear, I think, for different reasons, just aesthetically, artistically. They were appealing to my heart in, uh, in very strong and different ways. And I, I hemmed and I hawed at that counter for I couldn't tell you how long, but it was agonizing. And finally, as I'm hearing my mom, Beth, make a decision. You know, this poor guy's waiting on me. Finally, he just says, you know what? Take them both and get out of here. <laughs> Something like that. And if I'm being honest with you, that has actually happened to me more than once. I tend to be pretty indecisive as evidenced by my takeaway today, which is not one, but three. In fact, very Trinitarian now that I think about it. So I'm kind of impressed with my triple takeaway that I have for you, but this is sort of, um, sort of a thing for me. And you might be thinking, Beth, you've got both stuffed animals, right? Best of both worlds, but no, it, it's not exciting to me. It's not like I'm setting out to end up with double. No, it's agonizing. I have such anxiety. I feel like these people are waiting for me and everybody's mad at me. It doesn't usually work out. The thing is, when we don't make a decision, that's usually the fruit of our lives, this kind of anxious, agitated to and fro. But, and when we don't make a decision, we continue on in this unsettled way. This is true about trying to develop healthy habits, right? To practice a healthy lifestyle. Maybe it's exercise, maybe it's drinking water. That's your reminder. Maybe it's you wanna eat differently. If we don't make a commitment, probably not gonna make a change. This is true, uh, and, and it might be very simplistic, but this is true in relationships too. If we don't make a commitment to the other person, to making it work, it's hard. If our heart isn't in it, if we're not committed, it's true of our work. If we're checked out, we're um, resentful, kind of bitter, our boss doesn't see us, or that coworker got the promotion, and our heart is not in our work, we're, we're not gonna do our best, we're not going to give our best. And that, that principle of life that we see played out in all different areas of our life, it's also true of our relationship with Jesus. If we don't make a commitment to follow him, we're never going to follow him. If we don't have a personal, life-changing encounter that, that transforms us from the inside out and that we choose then to follow Jesus because that's how it happens. It's not only an intellectual ascent, it's a personal relationship. So if we don't encounter Jesus as a living person, experience his personal, particular, 
profound love for us and decide to live our lives as a response to that love. If we don't make a decision, we'll never follow Jesus the way that he's calling us to follow him. If we don't make a commitment, our lives will be that kind of listless, unsettled, agitated, back and forth. We'll, we'll chase after all different uh, ideas, all different causes and purposes and people. If we don't choose to follow Jesus, if we don't come beneath his banner. Now, Mary of Bethany in John chapter 12, that is a woman who has made a commitment. She's made a decision. She's going all in on Jesus. She is pouring it all out before him and not just him, but a lot of other people. She is holding nothing back, not, not her treasure, her actual, um, her earthly money treasure, right? She spends excessively uh, in this generous act of love. She doesn't hold back her pride. She weeps before him and, and, and humbles herself to wash his feet with her tears and, and wipe them away with her hair. She has made a commitment to follow Jesus, not as an intellectual idea, but as a living person. She's in an intimate relationship with the God who loves her. She's a woman in love. And don't you want to live like that? A life that is maybe even from the outside looks unhinged. It, it's totally free. It's totally overflowing. Don't you want to live a life that gives off a fragrance for the whole world uh, to perceive, to smell? I want my life to be like that, that fragrance, that ointment that wafts through the house that St. John himself smelled with his own nose at that supper given in honor of Jesus. She wastes this ointment in the eyes of Judas, but there is no wasting of love. When we pour out everything for Jesus, who holds nothing back from us himself, we lose nothing. In fact, I, I'm just quoting Pope Benedict XVI at the mass of the, uh, the inaugural mass of his pontificate. So when he became Pope Benedict XVI, he closed his homily with these words, do not be afraid of Christ. He takes nothing away and he gives you everything. When we give ourselves to him, we receive a hundredfold in return. Yes, open. Open wide the doors to Christ and you will find true life. That's the invitation of Mary of Bethany. That's the invitation of John 12 to live a life of excessive love poured out in devotion and affection for a real person, Jesus Christ. Do not be afraid of Christ. He takes away nothing and he gives you everything. A hundredfold. That's gospel math. That's gospel logic. It, it, it's not the same as our understanding of what we earn or, or what we deserve. We could never earn it. We could never deserve it. And yet Christ in his generosity gives to us a hundredfold. 
So friends, make a decision to pour it all out. In the words of, of John 12, the words of the Pharisees observing these disciples of Jesus, uh, laying down everything, look, the world has gone after him. Go after Jesus. What does that look like to go after Jesus? What does the world see when we go after Jesus? That's what I want to talk to you about today, practically, personally, what it looks like to live like Mary of Bethany, what it means practically to pour out everything, to lay everything down before Jesus. And, and really, I'm giving myself away here. That's, those are the two components, I believe, to making this decision to follow Jesus. You might be watching this thinking, Beth, I, I gave my life to Christ at a youth camp when I was 16 or on a retreat. Maybe it was when you went through RCIA. But for me, <laughs> my experience of following Jesus, I, I have to renew that yes, that promise. I have to fall in love again every single day. Not because I've forgotten, although I do have pretty terrible short-term memory when it comes to the Lord, but because there's so much to love. There's so much more to know. I can never come to the end of Jesus. And so when I see a new side of his face, when, when I perceive a new dimension of his heart, when I receive a fresh revelation of his personal love for me, then I, I, I want to, like Mary of Bethany, pour it all out again. Or maybe you're thinking, I don't even know why I'm watching this video. I don't know how I got here. I mean, I'm Catholic and maybe I've follow blessed is she maybe a friend recommended it yeah i i'm catholic i grew up this way this is the culture of my family we pray bless us O lord and these thy gifts before every meal and yeah maybe i've i've gotten away from that a little bit but i'm catholic right and that's the beauty of the sacraments when you were baptized you were uh sealed uh, in the holy spirit an indelible mark on your soul you belong to God. You belong to the Father. You have a Father. But friend, you've got to give your yes back, not once, not even a hundred times, but, but a thousand, thousands of times, day after day. It's not enough to, to just be Catholic. I want you to fall in love with Jesus. I want you to live a life like Mary of Bethany poured out. I want you to be like those people standing, welcoming Jesus, singing his praises in public before everyone else with no shame, laying down everything before him. And this is how you can say yes to Jesus every single day. It's got to be personal and it has to be practical. What do I mean by personal? Well, when Mary wept at the feet of Jesus, she wasn't weeping over an idea or a book or a good podcast or a talk. She was looking at loving a person, fully God, fully man. She was able to touch him, to anoint his feet, to have this intimate moment, an exchange of hearts. And notice no words are exchanged between Jesus and Mary. In fact, when Jesus speaks, he's speaking to them, leave her alone. There's a, a look of love, a wordless intimacy experienced between Mary's soul and, and the heart of Jesus. 
This is what I'm inviting you to experience. This is what I want for you more than anything is a personal relationship with Jesus because he's a real person, because he's alive, because you can know him and hear him and be led by him and feel him and know him. You can have a personal relationship with Jesus every single day and that relationship is called prayer. So if you want a personal relationship, if you need a fresh revelation of his personal love for you, make a commitment, make a decision to meet Jesus every day in prayer. I, I have a dear priest friend who, uh, when he was in college, a focus missionary invited him to pray every day. And, you know, Father, he didn't have a lot of time. He's a very important athlete and uh, he had a lot of practices and classes and you know a life and uh, that focus missionary said do you have five minutes can you give him five minutes and so that's what I want to invite you to today to begin developing that personal relationship so that you can move to that wordless intimacy with Jesus a sharing of hearts just a look of love between you and your Lord and it has to be practical. So we can't talk about prayer as though it's this ethereal, abstract thing. And, and I know sometimes that happens. The beauty of prayer really captures us and we get these lofty ideas about what that could look like or what that should mean in our lives. But I wanna talk about getting really practical, making a decision in a practical way to follow Jesus every single day. Recently heard a great homily that reminded all of us, I was with friends, of um, the gift of doing penance, making an offering, a simple denial of self, dying to self every single day. And we read in John 12, this is my third and final takeaway, don't worry, John 12, 24, very truly I tell you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What we lay down, what we offer to the Lord, when we forego that second cup of coffee, when we don't hit snooze in the morning, when we uh, offer that, that little act of penance for someone we love for our own growing holiness right to to remind our flesh that we're gonna exercise our will over our feelings when we do that it's not for naught when we die we bear much fruit this is this is the whole framework of the gospel the life of Jesus and you and I we live that Paschal mystery in our bodies and in our lives all of our lives every day of our lives, this dying and this rising. So I want to invite you practically to do penance, to make a simple sacrifice, an offering of your heart. And you're not doing that for God. You're not doing that apart from God in your own strength. You're offering it to Jesus in that personal act of love, like, like Mary pouring out the oil like the disciples laying down their palm branches. You're looking at Jesus as you make this offering. Heart to heart, make a decision for Jesus. Make it today and then make it again 
tomorrow. You know, just a few months ago, I was able to make another silent five-day retreat. I had a, a wonderful um, spiritual director guiding me through and giving me scriptures to pray with. And uh, I was about halfway through my retreat, and the Lord gave me such a, a personal and life-changing grace. I had never experienced love in that place, that that tender place and it was a gradual kind of unveiling over those days and it culminated in this exclamation that that just sort of like a wellspring right it rose up in my heart and I I said to Jesus with tears in my eyes and I looked at him in the Eucharist and I said this is the love I've been looking for my entire life this is the love that I've been looking for my entire life I had chased after it, I had tasted it, I had glimpsed it, but without a doubt, when he revealed his personal love for me in that holy hour, when I set aside practically those five days to spend with Jesus, I encountered, I received, I swam in the graces of the love that I've been looking for my entire life. And friend, he's the love you've been looking for your entire life. If you want something personal, if, if you want a personal encounter, a personal relationship, if you want to lay eyes on a, a living person, a beating heart, if you want to do something practical to make a sacrifice, to set aside time, take away today. I guess it's the fourth takeaway. The one thing I'm asking you, the one thing I would encourage you that's both personal and practical is to sign up for a holy hour, to make a weekly holy hour and drink deeply of the personal love of Jesus and pour out your love upon him. I promise that hour will give back to you a hundredfold. Amen. Let's uh, close with a prayer and offer everything to the Lord in thanksgiving for the ways he's moving your heart, for the ways he's moving my heart even as I'm sharing with you today. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, share your takeaway or takeaways with me in the comments on whatever platform you're watching on. I love to hear your heart. I love to see a different side of the face of God through your prayer. So thank you. See you next week for John 13. Start reading that today. Bye now.